But anyway, as we get started, why don't we start by consciously asking Christ to be on the throne and consciously surrendering this time to Him and each of our lives to Him so that He can be in control and do what He wants and teach us and direct us and guide us the way He desires and start on that right foundation. So Malcolm, why don't you start us out and just uh, pray and consciously give this time to Him and, and let Him have His way. This whole class is now officially online. I'd had a few of the classes online, not all of them, and somewhere in a different spot than others. But now if you actually go to, and you can write this down if you're taking notes, go to www.eternityimpact.com, eternityimpact.com, slash, capital M, capital L, capital T, capital C. .html. Pretty simple. stands for Ministry Leadership Training Class. So even though we call it cross-training here, uh, the broader scope is that it would be a ministry leadership training class. Because we have a lot of cross-trainings for different issues. We have a a brand new Christian cross-training and a lot of other ones. So this one is kind of like a ministry leadership training class for the next generation of leaders. And with that in mind, it's eternityimpact.com slash capital M, capital L, capital T, capital C, .html. And I hope that this will be a resource for you guys in the future, but also for other people that you meet in the future to be able to get good training on how to fulfill the Great Commission and how to do the funnel diagram uh, or the process of the Great Commission. So anyway, I want to start as we're talking about the Great Commission by reading the Great Commission straight from Scripture. So let's turn to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I'm going to have somebody else read it. It's Jake. <laughs> hey, buddy. It's okay. You missed praying, though, so I don't know where, at, where you're at with God, but you might want to make sure that... that Christ is on the throne, and that the Holy Spirit is filling and controlling you. <laughs> okay, we're turning to Matthew 28, 18-20. It's not like you guys don't know it, but let's read it together. Jack, you got that? Okay, read it loud, Jack. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you uh, to the very end of the age. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So that's the Great Commission. That's what we're shooting at here. So I want to start once again by putting the funnel diagram up on the board, but I thought we'd do it a little differently today. Who would like to actually come up and do this for us? Any takers? I think it may be Brandon. You'd probably be pretty comfortable with this, right? Nice sweater. Yes, you get to be on video today with your sweater. It'll be online 10 years from now. People will be going, who's that guy? Okay, why don't you draw the, the final diagram up there for us and explain it as you go along. Okay, so we're going to start off really broad. And we like to call this meeting people. Yeah. Nice hands ready. Thank you. 
next. After we meet them, we share with them, share the gospel. And then once that happens, there are three, I think, maybe four different results, which can be um, already Christian, means they already have a relationship with God, good stuff. There's green fruit, which means they're not really there yet, but they're definitely really interested. People that will pray right there, that's awesome. And people that are not interested, which we just put them back in the top. Those people. And then from there we go to follow-up. That's mainly with these guys. Um, and then that funnels down into what we like to call discipleship. That's just meeting up with them, maybe going through the packet, getting into the Word. Alright. Okay. This is where it gets really cool. These people put into Jesus groups, which is just a Bible study all about Jesus. growth groups, and which is just about growing in your personal relationship with God, and we have action groups, which hopefully, if these, this person's leading it, Leah, helping these people out, this person will be the one, wait, let's see, how do we do that? Wait, these people go on to lead other groups, right? Yeah. These people go on to lead all these other growth groups and Jesus groups and all that. And ideally, uh, this person is discipling all these people. That'd be a good situation. So yeah, that's just the funnel. And it never ends. Do you want to do all the tools and all that? Yeah, we're gonna. That's what we're gonna talk about today. Give me a hand. All right. Okay. So yeah, that is kind of what we're gonna talk about today. And I wanted to. I wanted to do some stages here. This stage up here, the whole meeting people and sharing with them. Actually, yeah, right through about there. That is the stage where we see people come. I need another green marker. That's where we see people actually come to... That one's a lot better, huh? Christ. Okay, let's not use the green markers anymore. I'm going to use blue. That's where we see people come to Christ. And that's where a lot of ministries end. They do big events, maybe meet some new people. Hopefully people come to Christ. Even that's kind of rare. But it usually kind of ends there. It doesn't really go much further than that. And then you just get this big kind of fishbowl mentality. We'll talk about that more before we close out today. But I wanted to talk about three different stages of this process because they're all important to understand. But when you get to the discipleship, let's get a different color here. Actually, we don't have that many colors. So I'm going to do blue again. 
when we get to this whole discipleship and Bible study section of the funnel diagram, what are we getting there? We're getting growth, right? We're getting maturity. Some of those characteristics. Okay, a little bit of a foundation. We're, we're actually starting to go somewhere with those people. But what happens if we end there? People just start to get a little maturity. Maybe they get a little knowledge. Maybe some of these different things. But let's say we don't take the next step with them. What happens? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's kind of a trick question. Not a whole lot happens. That's where most of the church is today. right? They say 2% of Christians share their faith. It's 1 in 50. The average church size in America is under 100 people, which means the average church has 1 to 2 people sharing their faith. That's crazy, right? Christianity is dead within one or two generations if that continues in this country. Okay, guys, we got to end that process. So what happens over here in this whole Bible study uh, leadership and continued discipleship, right? Because Leah in this Bible study is discipling the girls in her Bible study, right? The young ladies in her Bible study. And then over here, let's say it's still Leah, she's working with those same young ladies, and now she's helping them lead their groups, okay? What's happening? For, for Okay, Jack, what happened the first time you tried to lead a Bible study? Here's Jack right here, let's see. What happened? What happened? Yeah, was it a, a cakewalk? Was it easy? No. No? What happened? Tell me about it. Well, maybe you don't have to tell uncomfortable details. <laughs> but you can tell characteristics. What were some things that you faced? through adversity. Isn't that true? See, if you don't get put on the spot, aren't you kind of on the spot when you lead a Bible study? Everybody's sitting there going, man, Malcolm better know something. (laughs) I don't want to waste an hour here. I better get something out of this. You're on the spot. And the second you're putting yourself on the spot like that, what's happening? You're dealing with what? Comfort zones, aren't you? Remember Howard Hendricks said the measure of a person is what does it take to start you and what does it take to stop you? And what happens when you confront your comfort zones as you expand those two different walls. It takes a lot less to get me going and a lot more to stop me. Whoa, one guy came to my Bible study this week. I'm still doing it next week. See, it takes you less, it takes more to stop you and less to get you going. Probably at the beginning of the semester, if you thought only one guy is going to show up, you might have decided, I'm not even going to do it. But see, as you keep putting yourself on the line, as you keep taking that step of faith and broadening those comfort zones, you're becoming more the person that God intended you to be. You're becoming the person that can say, like, Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You can't say that over here, can you? Because you've never done anything yet. This guy's just learned a little bit. He can't say, imitate me. There's nothing to imitate, right? Does this guy, what does he say, imitate me? By knowing a whole lot but not doing anything? I mean, this guy, you can't really imitate something that's not been done, right? And that all starts to happen here. So when we talk about multiplication, these groups don't just multiply in the sense that we get some new Bible studies, but they actually actually multiply in the sense that we get new leaders. And not just Bible study leaders, but real Great Commission field generals. I mean, people that can actually do this whole process, Right? These people, see, it continues, like you said, Brandon, because Jack isn't just, when Jack started leading a Bible study, he didn't just say, sweet, I don't have to share my faith. (laughs) I don't have to do anything else. I'm just a Bible study leader. 
No, you start being involved up here, right? Don't you keep meeting people? Don't you keep sharing the gospel with people? Don't you keep following up with people? Obviously, you keep doing discipleship with people because you're discipling the people in your group, okay? So what's happening in this process is you're actually exposing your own insecurities. You don't even know what your insecurities are until you're out there, right? And then you start to realize, oh my gosh, I'm insecure about this issue. I didn't even know I was insecure about that issue. It starts to come up. <laughs> Did you put that question in the, in the box last week? No, just kidding. <laughs> it was a good question, right, about insecurities. But when you start stepping out into leadership, your insecurities get exposed and you have to deal with them. Your, your limitations get challenged. You start to see, I am incompetent to do this. I am unable to do this. I just fall short. I can't do it on my own. Right? That's why I like to tell you guys, you are a failure, but the Holy Spirit in you is more than a conqueror, and so, by default, so are you. So with Him, you're awesome, and you're not a failure. But anyway, guys, uh, your limitations get challenged, and you have to trust God and grow. Your weaknesses get confronted, don't they? As you lead a Bible study, your weaknesses get confronted as you share the gospel, but that's, again, the same leader doing all these things. Your leadership's I mean, your, your weaknesses don't get confronted all that much sitting in a Bible study, right? They start to get confronted more and more as you start to lead, and as you start to take steps of faith. Uh, your talents and skills get developed and learned in those conditions, right? As a Bible study leader, don't your skills get developed, your talents get developed, you start to learn a thing or two, not just about head knowledge, but actually about application. You could actually say to somebody else, this worked better when we did it this way. Does that make sense? You can actually say something. The ultimate deal here, guys, is, is maturity is being developed. This person is becoming complete and mature. Remember James 1, 2 through 4? Talks about those things coming out of adversity and trials, which often accompany this exact, this exact leadership issue. Right? 1 Corinthians 16, Paul talked about, about opposition accompanying an open door. So, in this funnel process, I kind of want to draw in a different light today to show you that when you start actually doing this process, you start making new leaders. And hopefully these people that are out here, they continue multiplying on, and then they continue multiplying on, and then they continue multiplying on until Christ returns. Right? Isn't that the goal? And it, the goal here isn't just to start more Bible studies, but the goal here is to make new leaders that know how to do the whole process, that are going to continue multiplying until Jesus comes back. That's the goal. The process is key. If we can't get this process under control, the Great Commission is not going to happen. This world will not be one and disciple to Christ. Right? Remember what we said? You guys remember the statistics on this? I'm going to use a different color here. On if just two of us started doing multiplication once a year. Do you remember? Let's say just two of us. Two times two. Okay, next year we're going to have four. Next year we're going to have eight. Next year 16, right? If we just keep multiplying once a year, it's pretty simple. But in about ten years from now, we're going to have... Do you guys remember this at all? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually erase this so we can actually graph this, because I... If, there's anything you get from the whole semester. So, I hope it would be this, this issue. I'm so excited 
that Brandon did such a good job drawing out the, the front background. It's pretty sweet. Okay, ten years from now, there'd be a thousand, a thousand new believers and disciples, right? If we just start doing this process once a year. So let's draw. Okay, let's draw right here. 2010, 2020, 2030, and then we'll just have a few there. And at 2010, we're going to make this uh, 6 billion. That's the population now. And we're going to do 7 billion, 8 billion, 9 billion. Okay? Now, already, they're about, about, out of, okay, never mind. <laughs> There are about 1 billion Christians alive on this planet, right? So, we want to see uh, we want to see the whole world one to Christ in 20 sometime between 2030 and 2040 sometime in there the population of the world is going to reach uh, 9 billion people, right? So I'm just going to kind of put this red box in here. Just to give us a little perspective on our on our diagram. So, ten years from now, there's a thousand. There there would be a thousand new believers. Where would that put us? You wouldn't even notice it, right? Let's see, we started here. On the billion scale, it'd be a thousandth of a billion. You're not even going to notice that. Uh, ten years later, do you remember? So, at, after twenty years, we're going to be about one million. Still. I thought, gosh, a thousand is a millionth of a billion. So even 20 years from now, you still don't recognize this because it's still a thousandth of a billion, right? Okay, at 30 years, where are we going to be out here? Remember? We're going to have about one billion, right? Okay, now what happens at... After that, it starts multiplying every year. So at, let's say, one, two, three, four, five. So next year, it goes up to here. And the next year, it goes up to here. Does that make sense? If we started doing this process... In 32 to 33 years, the whole world would be reached for Christ. That's why we got to get back to this funnel diagram and do it right. Now, here's the deal. Here's the big problem. Here's the dilemma. Is that process seems to die. Right? We've been doing this a long time at Fort Lewis. A lot of people have gone on and kept multiplying. But it doesn't seem like we're close to having the whole world one for Christ. In fact, Russ has been doing this for over 40 years. And I promise you that there's a lot of fruit all over the world from what Russ has invested, but the whole world has not yet come to Christ. Right? We're still at a billion. So today I wanted to talk about things that maximize this process. How can we make sure this process doesn't die? And how can we make sure it stays strong as it, as it continues? So I wanted to set the foundation for how this has to happen. Now, here is the context of the process. So we want to talk about the context first. So today we're going to talk about the context and the tools. How to maximize the process. So what is the context? You guys have heard us talk about this. What is it? Anybody remember? Gospel. No, no, the context. 
We draw a big circle around it all, and we say it all has to happen. Unconditional love and acceptance. Right? What happens if your Bible study thinks that you are a dictator? It's done. It's not going to keep going. Okay, here's the context. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. I want to talk about how Paul saw this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. And then he continues, if I do the funnel diagram exactly the way it should be done, but have not love. No, just kidding. I added that. But it's true. If we do this process and we don't do it in a context of love and acceptance, it's done. So I want to describe where this generation is at and how they fit into that context and then describe the context in a little more detail. We talk about the, uh, the five R's. Remember that? What, does anybody remember what those are? Real. Relevant, relational, revolutionary, rule. Okay, here's, here's, I think, the target audience for you guys. Okay? They're all those things. You're those things, aren't you? Don't you, don't you yearn for those things? I think the reason this generation yearns for reality is that they're so fake, right? Everything is a virtual world. I put what I want people to see on Facebook. I dress the way I want people to perceive me. But it's all kind of a big facade. So when I see somebody that's real and authentic and vulnerable, I'm drawn to that, right? Okay? So this generation is looking for leaders that are going to be real, authentic, and vulnerable. Okay, that goes right back to this context of love, and we'll get there in a minute. Right? If you're not loving, you're not real, you're not authentic, you're not vulnerable. Right? Okay? What about relevant? This this generation yearns for relevance, and I want to make the note here that scripture is the only thing in the world that is relevant. So when we talk about relevance, the idea isn't tweaking scripture to fit where culture's at. The idea is How do I present the truth of God in a way that people are going to get it? Does that make sense? Be relevant with people, but don't change God's word. And there's a big movement that messes that up bad. Okay? So truth is always relevant. All right. What about relational? This really cuts at the core of the whole context of love and acceptance. It goes right to it. Right? This generation yearns for authentic relationships. True relationships and friendships. Okay, and then you guys want to change things, don't you? That's why the last election was all about hope and change. Honestly, this generation wants to be a part of changing things. You guys, I think, are revolutionaries. And I think, on a side note, you guys are going to see more happen in your lifetimes than anybody in the history of this world. You have more tools available to you, more resources available to you. We're going to hit some of those because they're tools in this process. But honestly, guys, you also have this desire to change things, which I think God has put in you to change this world and to make a difference and to actually see the Great Commission fulfilled in your lifetimes. So you guys want to be revolutionaries, and the Great Commission is revolutionary. And on that note, be at Connect tomorrow. Invite your friends to be there. 
It's going to be cool. We're going to talk all about how Jesus was a revolutionary and how we can too. Uh, and, and it's going to be, you guys are going to be involved. You guys are going to actually speak and you don't even know it yet. So just come. It'll be fun. You guys like it. Okay, finally, you guys want to have a role in this process, don't you? You don't want to just watch it, but you actually want to have a role. That's who you're dealing with. So I want to talk about dealing with that group. How do you do it in such a way that the context happens the way it needs to? All right? And we're going to go into some tools, and then we'll close it out. So that those are the five R's of who you're dealing with. Now here's the context. First and foremost, we say love and acceptance, but I think all those are tied together in a in a broader theme almost, maybe not broader, but it's a word we call grace. Isn't that true? Right? And remember 2 Timothy 2.2? 2, 2? Does anybody remember that, what that verse says? We read it earlier. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Things that you have... The things that you have heard. Remember Paul? This is the multiplication verse. We can say it's 2.22. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2, right? Paul says, whatever you've heard from me, remember, it was Paul, Timothy, what? To the... You remember, our acronym, Faithful Men, exactly. Others also. Four spiritual generations. Multiplication, the way it's supposed to happen. 2 Timothy 2.2 is the best biblical picture of multiplication, the funnel diagram, anywhere in Scripture. Okay? What's the context of 2 Timothy 2.2? Somebody want to look up 2 Timothy 2.1 and see what the context for multiplication is? It says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, then do multiplication. So the context for all this, guys, is 2 Timothy 2.1. Grace, be strong in grace. God has given you what you don't deserve, and me too. Now I need to respond to others by doing the same. I need to treat them with the same grace, love, and acceptance that I've received. That is the foundation, even right here in Scripture, that makes multiplication possible. I think that's where, like we said a minute ago, the process ends a lot of times. Because it becomes a lot about my big denomination or something like that. I quit showing grace. I quit showing people love and acceptance. Okay, so walk in grace personally. Learn it really good with yourself. And then show that to other people. Right? Agape, so we have grace. And then we're going to have agape love. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 4 through 8. Remember what that says? It says, and I, I have it right here, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. What if that was our ministry? What if people came to a ministry event, which is a tool, we'll talk about that in just a second, connect, let's say, and said, man, people at Connect are really patient with me. They're really loving they're really kind. They don't envy each other or me. right? They don't boast. None of them are all ever trying to talk about themselves. They're not proud. Those guys at Connect are not rude. They're they really genuinely kind to me. They're not self-seeking. They put me first. They're not easily angered. 
They didn't keep any record of wrongs. That time that I told them that I really screwed up, nobody got mad at me for it, right? They pointed me to Jesus in truth, and they loved me for who I was, okay? Love does not delight in evil. What if they said connect does not delight in evil? I think we've took that, taken that stand this semester. Look, we're not going to stand for evil. But at the same time, guys, we're going to rejoice with the truth. All right, we're going to point people to Jesus and rejoice in that. And then what if they said, you know what, connect, they always protect. Right? They always trust. They always hope. They always persevere. And they never fail. Every time they've said something, they, they came through for me. Every time I've needed them, they were there for me. What if that defined our ministry? Isn't that going to keep the process going? In that context of agape, love, and encouragement? So actually, I'm going to draw a mini version of the funnel over here. Yeah, Keep going blue. So me, and then we're going to do the gospel. We're going to do follow-up. And then we're going to do, and I'm going to put and discipleship. And we're going to have Bible studies. And I'm going to put multiplication. (laughs) Trying to save room. And then we're going to surround all this in this context of grace. Agape, unconditional love. Remember the definition for love, the master plan definition? Love is unselfishly choosing for another's highest good. Isn't that good? I think Eli came up with that years ago. But it's unselfishly choosing and acting for another's highest good. All right. The result of that would be what? Acceptance. Strike that up here too. I want to make a note about acceptance. It doesn't mean we accept everything means we accept every person, right? Just like we don't judge people, but we do judge things. Remember in 1 Corinthians 2, it says the spiritual man makes judgments about all things. It's okay for you as Christians to say, this is wrong and this is right. That's not judging. It'd be wrong for you to say, this guy's going to heaven, this guy's going to hell. Well, that really is between that guy and God, and he has a whole life to live, and, and hopefully he trusts God before he dies, right? So I can't judge a person, but I can sure judge a thing or a worldview or a lifestyle. Does that make sense? I can say that's not right. And I don't do that based on my own opinion, but on Scripture. So just like I can't judge a person, but we can judge an issue, so I should accept every person, but not every issue. Does that make sense? And a lot of Christians have made this big error of saying, if we're going to be accepting, it means we accept everything. We accept every idea. I got an email this afternoon. Absurd. It was crazy. But from a Christian, from a leader, talking about how uh, we, we should accept all these crazy uh, things that are contrary to Scripture because people should, we should allow them to make up their own minds, you know? Thinking, no, we go back to God's Word. Opinion does not matter here, right? So we accept every person. Does that make sense? No exceptions. We accept people. Right? It doesn't mean we accept everything that that person brings to the table. We point people back to Jesus in a loving way. Right? Romans 14.1 says, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. See again? I'm accepting somebody and I'm not going to pass judgment on disputable matters. I don't pass judgment on people, but you can on, on issues. And he's saying don't pass judgment on disputable issues. In other words, 
something that might be a denominational peculiarity. I would not say, gosh, well, you're a Baptist, so you can't come to Connect. Well, no, we're a non-denominational ministry. We're reaching out. We're not going to pass judgment on little denominational issues, undisputable matters, right? But if there's an issue that needs to be challenged or confronted, then we will challenge it and confront it. But we will always, always, always accept the person. That was Romans 14.1. Romans 15.7 continues, and it says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Right? So our ministry should be defined by grace, by agape, unconditional love, and by truly accepting every single person that comes into contact with us and making them feel like they are loved and shown the same grace that we've been shown. The result of that is what? I think authentic friendships. And I'm going to put that here. Okay. Authentic. What What would happen, do you think, if none of you guys ever developed a close friendship in this ministry. Would you be here? Right? If nobody ever took a genuine interest in your life, you probably wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. Right? I'd be somewhere else where I did have genuine friendships. So we don't just do all this stuff for fun, but the goal really is to have some authentic friendships in this context where people genuinely feel like they're a part of a what? It starts with a C. Community. Right? You feel like you're part of a body, right? As a family. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. That's kind of how we feel, isn't it? Aaron tells me the other day, the Valalongas want to start a Sunday night potluck at their house. And she said, I really hope students will go to it. And I said, my guess is that you won't be able to keep them away from it. Because don't you guys like hanging out together? You guys love seeing each other and eating and talking and praying and all that. That's what we're shooting for here. That context is going to keep the process going, right? The warning, though, and the warning is huge. Don't you love seeing the fruit of the Spirit in each other's lives? (laughs) It's a lot of fun, right? So the tendency is to like this so much that we become a fishbowl. Right. I just want to hang out with Brandon. He's so exciting. Brandon is so nice to me. He, he always prays for me. Jack, too. Oh, my gosh. Jack always invites me to do cool stuff. Right. So we can start to just like each other so much that we forget about what? We forget about the funnel. <laughs> right? i got to get out of the fishbowl and meet people and share with them and follow up with them and disciple them and get them in the Bible study multiplicational process so that what? So that they can be a part of this whole godly context called the body of Christ, called the church with a capital C, right? That's the goal here. That's what we're shooting for. So that, guys, is the context. The context of the funnel diagram is grace, agape, love, acceptance, authentic friendships, and this community that is multiplying for Christ. Okay? So what are some tools that maximize the process and the context? Because this context doesn't just happen on its own, and this process doesn't just happen on its own. They both need tools, okay? Uh, So anyway, I'm going to write some of these tools up that make this all work. And then we'll be done. Okay, the tools that make this all work are... Okay. And then as as we start talking about the tools, I wanted to mention Colossians 4, 5. It says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. So these tools are all opportunities to make the most of what God is doing here. And we're supposed to be wise about it. So we're not supposed to be, eh, 
If it happens, it happens. But use your mind that God gave you. Again, 1 Corinthians 2, you have the mind of Christ. Use it, be wise, and make the most of every opportunity you have. So what are some tools that we have that can impact this? What do you guys think? Well, I'm going to stay on track here, so I better not ask, because <laughs> I'll get lost in my notes. The first one that I put is events. Tools. Events. Okay, what are some events? Connect would be an event, yeah. What are some other events? Thursday night dinner. Yeah, dinner. Other events? Sunday morning. Sunday morning. I like the way you said that, Jack. Because church is far beyond Sunday morning. If church is Sunday morning, if that's what you perceive as church, that's just an event. It's just a tool. Church should go far beyond that. Why, why again, do just kind of breaking away from the whole events issue. Why are events not ministries? You guys remember? Because they have time. Yeah, they have time, a time frame. Ministry doesn't stop. The Holy Spirit doesn't take vacations. He doesn't give up on you because it's Monday at 6 a.m. And he doesn't feel like working in your life right now. Right? He's always at work in your life and in my life and in everybody's life in our ministry. So ministry doesn't have a beginning time and an end time. But an event does, and that's a tool. So a church should be far more on Sunday morning. Okay, let's keep going. Yeah, so Sunday mornings, what else? Conferences under that, or is that different? I would put it under that, yeah. Conferences. Yeah. BCC is an example of a tool. What else? Retreats. We do a lot of retreats, right? says retreats are so good you can't say they're tools they're just tools okay what else can you guys think of any other types of events while I get a little more coffee coffee oh, we'll talk about coffee Food coffee is a tool for sure what's that food we'll talk about that in a minute too you guys kind of named them all those are a lot of events all of those uh, continue oh there's a big one that you guys did name though all those aid this process right what if we didn't do connect? What if we just said, forget connect? Well, gosh, there's a whole lot of this context that doesn't happen, right? I mean, you don't even know each other. Your Bible study might have five guys out here. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, and Jack's leading it, let's say. Okay? Well, what if Leah's Bible study is over here? Okay, here's Leah. You guys don't even see each other. You don't even know each other, right? It's like... Our church service, our church has two services, and we never see each other really. But a week ago, we all met together, packed out our whole church. I couldn't believe it. But literally, probably half the people there, I didn't even know went to our church. It was pretty exciting. Or I didn't know they are a part of our church, right? So the goal of a meeting like Connect, it's an event, it's a meeting, but the goal of it is to create a context for fellowship to really happen. For people to see each other, to grow together, to, to make some decisions together, to have some common experiences. You can look back and say, oh yeah, you remember when Malcolm talked? That changed my life. Not because of you, because of the Holy Spirit. But right, you guys experienced that together. You, you kind of grew together with that event. Or maybe a retreat be the same way, or dinner. It, doesn't that kind of work out in that whole process? Right? Okay, Bible studies are actually kind of events too. Good ones. But a lot of this happens with Bible studies. Okay, one more that I wanted to mention though. What happened last week? 
on this campus? A rally. Why did this rally happen? Well, I mean, would it have just happened for no reason? What what did it take for it to happen? Yeah, there was a current event or a, a, a community issue that arose. And we as the body of Christ were able to say, we are going to join with this other event that's already happening, and we're going to point to Jesus there. Does that make sense? So it's not necessarily an event that was a natural part of our funnel, but if we're being wise towards those are, that are outside making the most of every opportunity, shouldn't we make a, the most out of other events too? Not just our own? Again, that's getting out of the fishbowl mentality. I'm not just saying whatever we schedule, God can use, and whatever Fort Lewis schedules, God can't. <laughs> That'd be absurd, right? Don't I want to be saying, I'm going to make the most of anything anybody schedules? I'm going for it. Okay, so events are tools. They're not the ministry, but they sure help the ministry go. So don't run from them. Make the most of them, but do it the right way. Okay, resources come after events. Resources. Books. I'm going to just do a few books. MP3s. Videos. Example is this class being online. This class wasn't on my, uh, online last year. Right, Brandon? Last year, as you were trying to learn how to maybe lead a Bible study for the first time, or you were in ours, but you took a few shots at it. I'm trying to think of Malcolm. Last year, you're trying to do discipleship for the first time. I wish this whole series was online where you could have just sat down over Thanksgiving break and watched all the videos and worked through all the worksheets and come out with some, some of a foundation on how to do this, right? What that resource wasn't there. Now it is, okay? MP3s, videos, books, and I'm not just saying ours. There are other people that put a lot of good resources online, like that God Tools app that Dakota found for your iPods or your iPhones. That was great. Okay, what about movies? What about the Bama? What about the Case for Christ that we watched at Connect a couple weeks ago? Uh, what about the discipleship packet? What if I said, great, Jack, you want to start discipling somebody. That's exciting. Go for it. Are you going to kind of feel like, uh, what about the KGP, the Knowing God Personally booklet, or the Four Laws? Aren't those a tool? Aren't those a resource right, that you could use to do the process? See, if you had to do all this stuff on your own, you're dead in the water. The process ends effectively. But if you're making the most of these tools, the process keeps going, right? What about Bible study notes? That's something I think we need to get better on. We have the old Crusade Bible studies. They're, you know, they have a place maybe, but I know a lot of people think they're kind of outdated right now. A lot of the analogies and stories and all that is kind of old and goofy. So we, we need to maybe grow in that area. Laura Crocus just wrote this awesome women's Bible study. And it's actually on my Facebook wall today. You can go check it out. But it's awesome. Maybe we can use that next year for our women's Bible studies. Who knows, guys? Maybe the guys could use it, right? Uh, it could be awesome. All those, all those resources are tools that make the process go forward and that maximize the process. If you're just trying to do discipleship, do Bible studies, share your faith all just on your own, you're not going to get that far. But once you have some transferable tools, make that known. 
Those resources look for ones that are transferable. They really make the process go forward, and they maximize the process. Okay, food is a big tool, right? How many of you, be honest, got plugged into this ministry because of food? Malcolm, (laughs) right there. He's on it. Okay, he's just being honest. What about your possessions? I want to step on your toes a bit. Are your possessions your possessions, or are they tools for for God's kingdom? Seriously, guys. Make those decisions now. Everything you own, you should see as a tool for making the Great Commission happen. You should not look at... When we designed our house, we, we had several floor plans to choose from, and we said, give us the one with the biggest living room. We don't care what the house is like. Just we want the biggest living room possible to fit the most students in our living room. And what if we would have thought, I want the big, gigantic master bathroom. That sounds great. And a huge master bedroom. Would we be able, this week we're having this Thursday night dinner with, for Thanksgiving, would we be able to fit over 60 students in our living room? Not a chance, right? <laughs> Maybe in the master bathroom. Good point, Jake. But our possessions exist to further God's kingdom, and only for that reason. You guys, I want to just tell you, if you make over 29000 a year, and I know you're college students, so you probably don't make that yet, but out of you might... You're getting close, I bet. Maybe not. I don't know how much Leah makes, so I, I really shouldn't talk. But just hypo- hypothesizing. But if you make over 29000 a year, and most Americans do, two-thirds of Americans make that much money, you're in the top 1% of the richest people in this world. That's unbelievable. Get this. If you make over 2000 a year, actually over 1900 so close to 2000 now, most of you guys make 2000 a year, I'd say. If you make 2000 a year, you're in the top 30% of the richest people in this world. So even in college, you cannot say, I'm a poor college student, I can't give. So I would encourage you to put money in the buck bucket to give to other students, or maybe find a, you know, a kid that you could support financially every month across the world or something like that. Maybe a missionary. You guys could support Ronnie Toft still, or some missionary that's serving God. Ronnie Toft, for those, that you don't, for those of you that don't know graduated from Fort Lewis, and he's actually now in Estonia. He was in San Francisco for a while, but now he's a missionary in Estonia. Okay, your house, your car, Leah's bourbon, (laughs) is a ministry tool, right? So all your possessions are ministry tools. Use them for the glory of God. What about your interests and your hobbies? Let me put that up here. Interest. How many of you think your interests and hobbies got a lot more exciting when you found out God could use them? Isn't that true about rock climbing? <laughs> Knitting? What's your interest or hobby that got more exciting? Oh, climbing? Got it. Okay, got it. Or music, right? Yeah, you, you're our praise leader. Okay. You get, you get to serve God with your talents. For me, snowboarding and coffee, I love it. I got to brew you guys a whole pot of coffee and bring it up here to campus. It's hopefully going to go to God's glory, right? And I can't tell you how many students I've connected with over coffee. I just asked them, do you like coffee? Oh, yeah, I love coffee, but I like good coffee. Oh, yeah, me too. I roast coffee. Boom, this huge connection just happened, right? This huge common ground. This bridge just got built. So use your interests and hobbies. Snowboarding for me is the same way. A lot of people that I meet, oh, you're some minister? I don't want to hang out with you. This happened with, I'm not going to say his name, T. Right? Who we met. He said, you're not going to try and shove Christ down my throat, are you? I said, no. 
Uh, but if you hang out with us, I'm pretty sure you, you'll hear about Jesus, but nobody will shove Christ down your throat, quote-unquote. You know, that's your choice. And, but after that, he didn't want to hang out with us at all. And then his friend told him about this friend he knows that is an awesome snowboarder and hunts elk. And he couldn't wait to meet this friend of his friends. And his friend brought him to our doorstep to meet me. And I thought, how cool. God built a bridge with this guy because of some interests and hobbies, right? So use your interests and hobbies as tools to further the Great Commission. What about buildings? This room we're in, we couldn't be doing this class without this room, right? Make a note about buildings. They're just a tool. We can't get too tied to them. I think the local church has got so tied to buildings that they've forgotten the process. Does that make sense? We're not doing this process because we're concerned about our building. And we end up putting all of our money, all of our time, all of our energy, and all of our resources into a building. That's wrong. And that, honestly, is a fear of mine, and I know of Russ's. When we thought about getting this Great Commission Training Center, we feared, is this going to just tie us down? Is this going to become a big lead weight on the ministry? If, you know, Buildings can be a tool, but they should be kept a tool. They should not become your ministry. Uh, so use them wisely and be good stewards of them, but don't make them more important than the process. Okay, technology, my favorite tool, right? Technology, and it's down here probably, it won't even be on, on the video. Technology. Can anybody sing that I Love Technology song? Okay, Leah, that works, right? You guys have communication capacities that nobody in the history of this world has ever had. Right? You guys can pick out a phone and call the other side of the world like that. You guys have communication abilities. Email. The Apostle Paul did not have email. Right? He did not have Facebook. He couldn't just message somebody. Couldn't message Timothy. Hey, Timothy, guess what? I want to see you. And by the way, I'm praying for you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. His status updates. <laughs> just got stoned. <laughs> The bad way. <laughs> well, they're both bad ways. Hmm. Although some Christians would argue with you. <laughs> I got stoned with rocks for sharing the gospel. You'd have to clarify things like that, right? Okay. You guys, uh, what about transportation? So you have communication. You have transportation, right? You guys can get on a plane and fly wherever you want to fly. You can drive a car. You're suburban again. That's, that's good ministry. Uh, that's a good ministry tool. So transportation is a huge tool under the technology issue, communication, transportation. You guys live in the information age. Make the most of it. Never stop learning. Keep getting education. And not necessarily just college degrees. But keep growing in your faith and learning how to be a multiplier. Keep learning what you need to keep that process going and how to be better at that process. You guys, never stop learning and multiply what you learn. The media, you guys, newspapers reach thousands of listeners or thousands of readers, I should say. You could write a column. And in fact, I want to encourage one of you guys in here to write a column for the school newspaper. They want students right now to write a weekly column. <laughs> you guys could be sharing Christ every week with the whole campus or every however two weeks whenever they print it. By writing a column. One of you should do that. What about a letter to the editor? Here's an application for today. Write a letter to the Durango Herald, to the editor. You can do it online. It might take you ten minutes. Most of you have written out your, your testimony. Copy it, paste it, send it to the Durango Herald. Why not, right? You're getting to do this process 
of sharing the gospel with a world that needs to hear it through your testimony as a letter to the editor. I did it this summer. It was really cool. They happened to print it on Sunday. There are 15,000 people every Sunday that read the Herald. That's awesome. It's the first time I've gotten to share my testimony with 15,000 people. Praise God. You guys could do that. It might take five minutes. It might take five minutes. You guys, at the end of news stories, you can write comments, right? It's another great way to share your faith. It takes 10 seconds maybe of your time or a couple minutes. Not a problem. So newspapers, the radio. Next semester I want to do a Connect radio program. And they already said that they'd make it happen next semester. And I want to every week uh, stir up a little controversy, talk about taboo issues, and get people pointed at Christ. Hopefully on this campus we as a team can do that, right? But we need to use media and technology to reach the world for Christ. Okay, your social networks. talked about Facebook. Your status Point to Jesus on your status every chance you can. Other ways, there's so many types of media, so many types of technology. Websites, guys, learn how to use them and learn how to build them. All of you guys should know how to build a website, I think. Right? This is just a tool in the Great Commission process that we should all be able to at least be comfortable with. Start a YouTube channel. Start making videos that point to Christ. A lot of our videos have over 100 views. Some of them have like 500 views. Okay? Gosh, those are all... Making this process happen. Leah's evangelism training video has, I don't know, I haven't checked it for a while, I think over 200 views. But it's, that's 200 people that now know how to use the Knowing God Personally booklet to share their faith. Awesome. Okay. Sermon.net. You can put all your messages up. If you speak in our ministry, I want you to edit that talk and put it online. You're taking advantage of technology to maximize the Great Commission process. Right? And to point people to Jesus. You guys, start a blog. I encourage you to start a blog. Right? It starts slow, but it kind of starts to build. Ours is starting to build now. You know, We've only been doing it for three and a half months, but in the last month we've had over 3,000 views. And it's starting to pick up. That's like 100 people a day on average over the last month that got encouraged to share their faith from our blog. My pastor's wife has over 2,000 people a day reading her blog. That's awesome. It's 2,000 people a day that weren't getting encouraged before that are now. You guys can do the same. So start now. Start young. right? Be an online missionary. You can go to uh, Great Commission 2020. They, they'll connect you with, with uh, all these opportunities to disciple people that come to Christ online. Use technology to maximize this process. Okay, guys? And here's the deal. I heard a guy say this many years ago at a staff retreat or talk. He said, if you're not getting the best technology available, you're choosing to be ineffective for Christ. Right? So it's not selfish when you get the iPhone. That's why I ordered mine. <laughs> okay? But this is an opportunity for you guys. Yeah, Taylor. Taylor's the only one in here with an iPhone. Taylor, you're awesome. Now, make, take advantage of technology for the glory of God, guys. Do it. It's worth it, okay? If you can maximize your investment through technology, do it. Right? Whether that's a new computer or a new iPad or a new iPhone. Do it for the glory of God. So here's here's the bottom line, guys. Everything you are, everything you do, everything you like, everything that makes you who you are should be a tool that goes to making this process happen every single day. Maximize the Great Commission process any way you can. He is worthy. Mark 12, 30 through 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your, your soul, your mind, your strength. I'm paraphrasing now. Love your neighbor as yourself. You guys... All your heart, soul, mind, and strength, all those things, what you love, what you think, what you're gifted with, right? All those different things. 
Put them to God's glory. And go all out. Now here is the closing passage. You can turn there with me if you want. 1 Corinthians 9, 19-27. This is the closing passage about going all out and making everything in your sphere of possibilities a tool to maximize the Great Commission. Paul says, starting in verse 19, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but rather am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. Don't you, doesn't, shouldn't that be our attitude? I've done everything I can so that by any means possible I might reach some people for Christ. Then he continues, I do all this for the sake of the gospel, the good news, the gospel literally means the good news, right? That I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So here's the challenge, guys. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. That's what you're doing here today. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. There it is, guys. Put everything you have out there to fulfill the Great Commission. Application ideas? Leah mentioned today in staff meeting we should have more application in this. Thank you, Leah. Uh, Write a letter to the editor this week. I would encourage you to write a letter to the editor this week. Uh, Put on your status, even tonight, something that directs people to Jesus. Maybe even even link them to everystudent.com where they're going to be able to ask questions and hear the gospel. Uh, Write a column for the school newspaper. Start a blog. Maybe tonight even. Start a blog. But if you start it, you know, put what you need to into it. Do the process, maximize the process, and reach this world in your lifetime. Next week, we're going to close this whole thing out, and I'm going to just encourage you to fulfill the Great Commission. I think it will be more encouraging, less training, but more motivational, and get out there and do it. Uh, it's been a great uh, class. I hope that you guys feel like you have a strong foundation for winning this world for Christ. So let's just pray and give it to God and head to Bible studies from here. Leah, will you close us in prayer? Awesome. Big guys, get up.